Fantasy Podcast time. Once again, Chris Kennedy and Don Brock in the studio for the third and final of our pre-season position-by-position uh, position breakdowns, centres and winger fullbacks on the radar for today. Don Brock, good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, one more week before Team List Tuesday drops for round one. Very exciting times. Uh, yeah, last position wraps today. We'll also answer the first uh, listener questions of the year at the end yep. of the pod. So, yeah, plenty to get through. All right, let's get cracking on the centres, the top 10 most owned. Uh, number one is a guy who I will admit is still in my team also, so I'm not going to blame anyone else for having him, but he may be in doubt for round one. What are we thinking with Jake Avarillo? Yeah, so he's one of those uh, hyped players in the off-season, both for fantasy and NRL. Looks a good chance of starting at 5'8 for the Bulldogs. Uh, Long-term, he's in doubt at the moment with an elbow injury, so didn't play in the trials on the weekend. Um, could still play round one, might not be until round two. Uh, regardless, it sounds like he's going to be 5'8 going mm. forward. Break-even of 23, he's quite cheap, so... Uh, if he starts in the halves, you should score 35, 40 points and make a lot of money. So I can see why he's a very popular fantasy buy, regardless. Hopefully he does start in round one next Well, Tuesday. yeah, ideally it saved me making a, another change to my uh, original team that I drew up. I do, I do think he's the best option for them at 5-8. I've obviously got um, Kyle Flanagan's come across. He's going to be the seven. So the question is who partners him? Is it Lachlan Lewis? Is it Brandon Wakeham? Or is it... Jake Avrilo. I think Avrilo's just got a little bit about him. He um, has played some centres, but uh, a lot of time in the halves at 5'8 in his junior days. Just got some uh, some real attacking ability there. So I think that could be the best option for the Bulldogs. But like you say, whether he plays round one is is the question. Uh, number two is James Roberts, who um, has obviously had a, a tumultuous couple of years, but uh, he's quite cheap there at the, the West Tigers and obviously can rack up some points when he uh, gets some clean ball. Yeah, absolutely. So his break-even is in the mid-20s. His career average in the centres, if he plays the full 80, is uh, 39. So if he scores anything like that, you know, around 40 points a game, then he's a bargain. Um, can be a keeper in the centres as well. Um yeah, I mean, a bit of a risk based on his recent history, but he's quite cheap. So uh, if he does hold his spot, he's going to be value. Absolutely. Our third most owned, um, also at about 20%, is Jack Bird from the Dragons. He's got through his two trials, um, hasn't looked too bad, hasn't really looked too great either. Um, he had one nice play in the 20-odd minutes he got against Para two weeks ago, and then uh, on the weekend, the Charity Shield, obviously the um, the, the Rabbitohs were just absolutely red yeah. hot, and he didn't really get much of a chance. Um did kind of get um, shown up by Latrell Mitchell for one of those tries, but you know, there's you know, after two years with no footy, I think there's lots of uh, centres who, who would have found themselves in a similar position. What are your thoughts on Jack Bird? Yeah, so again, he's cheap. He's not as cheap as James Roberts, break even of uh, 28. Um, his uh, career average in the 30s, in the centres is mid 30s, but uh, his last full season he scored 44, 45. A couple of years ago was a, a cash cow and scored quite well in fantasy as well. So if he matches that, then he's a bargain. His injury record is pretty bad in the last couple of years. So hopefully he comes through the season, you know, unharmed and uh, stays fit the whole year. But uh, yeah, so one of several players who are kind of cheap this year, but have a sketchy injury history. Um, in saying that, a lot of centers, a lot of these guys in this top ten are risks in some some mm. way. So, yeah, I don't mind him as a uh, as a possible keeper, certainly cash cow option to start the season. 
Yeah, and like you say, hopefully he just uh, stays fit. He, he certainly can bust plenty of tackles when he's uh, when he's going. Mm. Fourth most owned, a uh, little bit surprising for me, David Fusatua's dual position is also available at uh, wing fullback, so maybe that's helping him in uh, over 17% of teams. Yeah, dual position, popular NRL player. He's never really been a good fantasy scorer, so he's cheap, but he's cheap for a reason. Mm. You know, The other guys we've mentioned uh, missed a lot of game time last year or uh, have had injuries or whatnot, but um, Fusatua, he missed some game time but he's never really scored better than 30 points a game mm. so uh, yeah one to avoid I think yeah I'd be getting him out as well um, one of the real out and out cheapies uh, rookies it's uh, another cab off the Travojevic rank Ben Travojevic from Manly uh, minimum price at 228k and almost 17% of teams but you'd have to think he's not going to play for yeah him. good price good name but he's <laughs> not going to play so yeah get rid of him I think yeah he might, might get a chance through the season in which case snap him up but um, definitely don't waste one of your valuable spots on him to start the season. Uh, Stephen Crichton, the sixth most owned, an absolute breakout star last year for the Panthers, ended up scoring was about 16 tries thereabouts. He's yeah. in um, over 16% of teams, um, just under 500,000. Is there value there? Not really. So he scored 37 points a game last year, as you say, scoring a lot of tries. So, you know, he needs to score, what, 20 tries maybe this year to improve on last year's uh, performances unless he strengthens other parts of his game gets more tackle breaks or or whatnot but um yeah I, I think there are better options both more reliable keeper options and and these cheap guys we're talking about so i'd be avoiding personally he has spent the season training alongside uh billy army kickout jerome Luai and brian toto on that panthers new look left edge so it'd be interesting to see how that pans out but yeah like you say he's going to really need to find some extra points from from somewhere to be a worthwhile fantasy buy at the current price in 2021. Next most owned is Zach Lomax, an absolute rock for many fantasy teams last year. Despite the Dragons' woes, he just kept finding a way to score points. And even the games where he's on 15 mm. points with 10 minutes to go, he somehow breaks a bunch of tackles and scores a try or, or whatever it is. He yeah. just uh, kept finding a way to, to pump out those 40 to 50 It was amazing. Scores. It was amazing how consistent he was in the least consistent position in fantasy. Yeah. Um, scored... Uh, seemingly 40, 45, maybe 50 points every week, which is uh, remarkable, especially at the start of the season. A lot of us bought him because we wanted him to play fullback, which he did mm. for one week. Then he played on the wing and then he played centers and then was the best center of the competition uh, in fantasy anyway. So, yeah, that all means he's very expensive to start the new season. 627K uh, is a lot for a center. I know he was great last year. He probably won't be that good again. I mean, he scored a lot of tries. A lot went his way. Um, and regardless, you don't really want to spend that much in the centres. Mm. It's the worst position in fantasy. Ideally, get someone, you know, like a 2020 Lomax who was cheap to start with and then kicks on and yeah. gets a lot of points. So, yeah, I'll be avoiding him as well this year. Yeah, just too much for a centre, I think. He can probably, I would say he can probably go close to averaging similar. He looked really good in the charity shield. He was getting some offloads away. He got some line break assists in a game where his team lost by 48 to 16 yeah. or whatever it was. I think he'll um, I think he'll be handy again, but paying that much to have a reliable score in the centres to start the season, I'd much rather just go for, for cheap options and, and cop the um, the up and down scores than spending that much on a centre. Um, Bradman Best is next cab off the rank. He's also very expensive, one of the most expensive centres available. Um, but it's it's a big drop down in ownership as well. He's in just over seven percent of teams, so it really sort of spreads out after the uh, after the top seven or eight. Yeah, so he's a slight discount on uh, Lomax, another guy with a lot of potential, um, really good running game, good at breaking tackles, um, can probably score more tries than he did uh, last year. So there's improvement there. He was a rookie last year, so. Yeah, some upside. Again, very expensive though, so I won't be buying him, but could be one of those guys to target later in the year. 
uh, as a keeper. I mean, if you really want to avoid using too many trades in the centers, you could splash out on these guys, Lomax and Best, but uh, I prefer to spend, spend big in the hookers and halves and forwards rather than in the centers, so mm. I'll be avoiding. Yeah, same for me. Like you say, possible trading, trade-in target later on. His ceiling's absolutely massive. A big game for Bradman Best is, what, 60, 70-plus um, if he starts getting some, some long-range tries. So he can he can go big, but, yeah, too much for a centre at this stage of year. Um, almost exactly uh, level in terms of ownership, about 7-4% is Justin Ollum from the Storm. Um, certainly you'd think his spot is safe at 4.07K, um, averaging about 30 last year, break-even of 30 to start this year. Do you really see any upside, though? I see no upside. He played 80 minutes uh, all year last year, um, scored 30 points a game. That's pretty typical for a lot of centres. He's a good player, but I don't see how he's going to improve significantly on that this year. So not one to buy again. I'm kind of down on a lot of these centres, aren't yeah. I? <laughs> it's probably the most interesting and or sort of wide open and tricky position in fantasy. The rest of the positions mostly have some obvious hmm. gun keepers or some obvious um, cash cow targets, but uh, center, as it always seems to be, is real tricky. Rounding out the top 10 uh, is a guy who I do think has some upside potentially. Um, Manley's Dylan Walker obviously had some injury timeouts and also some off-field issues to deal with in the, the recent past. 6.3% of teams. He's only 317K and he can score hmm. in the centres. Um, when uh, when Manly are going well, which I guess is a bit of an if. Uh, dual position as well, available in the halves as well as at centre. Thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, the dual position doesn't help that much. You're probably going to have better players available in the halves in your team, so you're not really going to use him there. But, I mean, it doesn't hurt. Uh, again, he's one of those cheap guys with some potential upside um, who scored okay in the past at times. So, yeah, some potential upside there. I'd have Avarillo, Roberts, Bird ahead of him probably in the pecking order. But, um, yeah, n- another option in that in that bracket of, of cheap guys. It rounds out the uh, the top ten. Anyone else just outside or further down that you're interested in? Yeah, there's a few. So, Dom Young for the Knights mm. had a good uh, trial on the weekend, kind of a cameo towards the end of the game. Uh, he's a, a rookie, so base price, um, a lot of potential, still pretty raw. I don't think he's going to play at the start of the season. Season, but one to watch uh, for later on if he does get a chance. Um, Brian Kelly at the Titans is one of those guys who could kick on and become a keeper this year. Mm. Priced in the 460, so his break-even is 35. The Titans, a lot of team, a lot of people expecting uh, a big improvement from this year uh, in attack especially, so he could get amongst it and get a few tries and be one of those keepers. Have you got any others? Yeah, I mean... On Kelly, I was watching the start of the Warriors-Titans trial uh, on my laptop while I was waiting for the um, the Charity Shield to start when I was in Mudgee, and Kelly looked really good in yeah. the 20 or so minutes I watched. I was actually looking at his teammate, Pat Herbert, thinking he was probably going to get goals, but um, based on the trials, I dare say that um, there's going to stick with, uh, was it Fogarty? Fogarty, yeah. Um, which is good for him, but um, yeah, doesn't it, it takes away any real upside that, that Herbert had, so I'd probably steer clear. There, um, the other potential uh, keeper in the centres at the Titans is Tyrone Peachy, who won't be playing centres, but mm. is available there. Um, middle forward will come off the bench probably yeah. all year, but can still play 50 or 60 minutes and scored really well at the end of last season. So uh, some potential there. He's not cheap, but um, break even around 40, he's cheaper than Lomax and Best, these kind of guys. Mm. I feel like there's going to be a few uh, cheapies that, don't quite make round one, but will emerge mm. sort of as the season goes on. One of those could be Max Fiungai at the uh, the Dragons. Yep. You'd think with with Bird playing in the centres, he and Lomax are pretty settled for now. But if Bird ever makes that sort of long discussed <laughs> move to the forward pack, it, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But I'm, I'm, 
or if the worst happens and there's injury, I think Max Fiungo is a guy with some attacking skills yep. who, who could come in and he's um, close to bargain basement. He's not a, a debutante, but still very cheap. Um, Paul Momorowski probably starting at the Panthers now has some attacking skills yep. about him. He's 368k, so again, it's an awkward sort of price. Yeah, he scored quite well when he's been given the full 80 uh, in the past, but he scored a bunch of tries, kicked some goals, I think, initially at the Tigers a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, some upside there. And the Panthers are looking great in attack, you know, in the trials as they were all the last season. Mm. Another one to probably mention is um, be aware of players to come back in in the early rounds. So, say, Jared Croker misses round yeah. one, two, three, and someone like it, whether it's Matt Tomoko or Harley Smith-Shields gets a run, don't rush them into your team as a cheapie if they're going to be gone in, in two or three weeks. Yeah, could, could be a few traps this year in round one, I think. I, I suspect there'll be quite a few. Move on to wingers and fullbacks. Let's do it. So if we sort by most owned, coming in at uh, about 30.5%, Ryan Pappenhausen took a little bit of time to get going last year, but obviously an elite attacking player, um, potentially a goal kicker this year. Yeah, well, it's looking like it. He kicked on the weekend ahead of Cameron Munster. That was the big talking point going into Melbourne's trial against the Knights is who was going to kick goals, and Pappenhausen did and kicked him quite well. I think his first one was from a side, from the sideline, which he uh, which he nailed. So, yeah, that's a very encouraging sign. He's already pretty pricey. He scored 49 points a game last season. Uh, his second half of the year was tremendous after, a, as you say, a bit of a quiet first half. Um, even then, he was scoring high 30s without really doing much in attack, and then... Mm. Once those attacking stats started kicking in, he really he scores up into 50s, 60s. He can get a massive score on his day. So I think he's a really good option to start with. Uh, should improve, you know, f- maybe six points a game or something with goals. The Storm, one of the best teams in the comp, so they'll score some tries. So, uh, yeah, definite bonus there. Mm, the average of 49 through last year, you'd think, like I said, he sort of started a little bit slow. So if you had goals in and he starts fast, then you know, he could easily be hitting mid-50s from, from the early rounds. Yep. Uh, second most owned, currently only available at wing fullback, is uh, Broncos back Tessie New. Now, he, uh, if he's named in the centres in round one, which we're starting to think is going to happen, he'll get a dual position then. So that'll make him even more interesting. But quite cheap at 263k. Uh, can attack. He's already in over 30% of all uh, teams. What are your thoughts on Tessie? Yeah, a really good option for your emergencies, I think. Um, assuming he does start in the centres as he's been training there and he played there on the weekend. So, yeah, can cover both those outside back positions. Um, he showed a bit of promise last year playing uh, at fullback in the centres. Um, you know, the, he probably won't hit those massive scores that you can get at fullback, but should be fairly reliable. You know, if he gets 30 points a game, that's enough at his price. Mm-hmm. Break even of 20, um, the odd good attacking game, and he gets 40 or 50 will boost his um, his price quite quickly. So, mm. yeah, good option for your emergencies. Third most owned, uh, James Tedesco. I think we have this same conversation every year, which is he's really, really expensive, but mm. he's also really, really good. Can you afford not to start with him? Some years he sort of starts... He has a quiet round or two to start with and you might be able to get him a little bit cheaper, but then he scores 80 points in round three and it's like if you don't already have him, then you kind of miss the boat already. Yeah, absolutely. So he he tends to have a bad round one or most of the recent years he's... uh, He's had quite round one scores, but then from round two onwards scores quite well. And then he got 100 pretty early last year in the first five or six weeks, mm. I think. So, um, yeah, I'll be starting with him. He's the backup kicker at the Roosters as well, by the looks of things. Um, Takiyahu is the first choice kicker, but he won't play the full 80. So uh, Tedesco should get one or two you know, chances of uh, goals maybe each mm. week. So that helps. But, yeah, he's easily the best winger fullback in fantasy. So you want him at some point, and the simplest way to get him is to 
get him right now. Yeah, if you don't start with him and you're waiting for his price to come down, you're almost still waiting for it come origin time yeah. and then you're not getting him because it's origin time. By the time you get him, it's around, what, 16 18 or 17 yeah. or 18 or whatever and then, yeah, the season's almost gone. Um, fourth most owned, I'm, this is an intriguing option. It's Latrell Mitchell. Mm. Um, was absolutely sensational in the charity shield. Dragons didn't put up too much of a fight, but he tore them to bits. Three try assists and a try in 40 minutes before getting an early shower. Um, obviously, had his season ended by that hamstring rupture uh, last year, right, as he was really sort of heating up. Starts at 493k, so uh, a little bit cheaper than some of the other premium options. Obviously, he won't be the goal kicker unless something happens to Adam Reynolds, but um, average of 36.8 through last season. Um, early on was really quiet in terms of his, I guess, total run meters, which yep. built through the season. So he's probably never going to be your Tuovasashek Tedesco 200 meters a game guy, but um, can really break a game open and, and pile on some fantasy points in, in short order. What do you reckon? Yeah, so last year I never had him, and that was a relief because he was a very frustrating player to own yeah. by the looks of things. Um, really inconsistent scores. His good games were very good, um, but still kind of topped out at 50, maybe 60 points mm. when your Tedesco's could get 100. And then his bad games where he didn't have much in terms of try assists or attacking stats, he scored you know in the teens. Mm. Um, so, yeah, those run metres and, and other stats, he improved and, and should improve again this year, I think. So I think he'll get a little better. I don't know if it'll be enough to put him in that bracket of um, elite fantasy scorers getting 50 points a game and up. So I'm not sure if he's a keeper. I'm not sure if he's a cash cow, but he mm. looked great in the weekend. You interviewed him afterwards, I think. Yeah. He, uh, um, he actually, just speaking to him, I've obviously interviewed him before, but he just seemed really in a good space, like just happy and confident and he looked really fit. Like he's never one of those guys who's looked like really chiselled. Yeah. Um, but he just looked really, really strong, really powerful. I just, I don't know, I, I never had him last year either. I kind of thought at the start of the year, yeah, question marks over his involvement. He's obviously could go through, at the Roosters, he go through 20, 30 minutes without touching the ball. Yep hanging out there at left centre and I thought it's going to take him at least a while at fullback to get that involvement level up but he was everywhere in that that 40 minutes in the the charity shield and um, if he can keep his involvement high if he can sort of work out a way to make 130, 150 metres per game even when nothing else is happening um, and bust a few tackles or whatever it is then that if it brings his quiet games from 17 up to 30 then you know, maybe he is a, a, a cut price keeper, but um, yeah, there's still a lot of lot of work to to go for him. Anyway, moving on to number five most owned. This guy's either a must-have or a trap, and I haven't <laughs> decided which one it is yet. It's Dane Laurie from the West Tigers. Yeah, he was great in the weekend, wasn't he? So he scored two tries uh, in the Tigers trial against Manly. Uh, looked terrific. Um, the first one was just a solo one out of dummy half and mm. beat a few players. Uh, I think his fantasy score is up in the 70s based on his stats. In that game, so a lot of potential there, very cheap. Um, but before that trial, um, all reports were that Moses Embiid was going to be the fullback for the Tigers this year and, and Laurie's more of a player for the future. So unless that changes, he's probably a trap, as you say. Uh, Embiid's got an injury at the moment, hamstring injury, I think, so is in doubt for round one. So it's going to be really tough if Embiid isn't named at all if he's injured. Mm. And Laurie will then... Presumably be uh, named at fullback. You know, does that mean Embiid comes back in round two and replaces mm. him? And yeah, it's going to be a tricky one. So I don't know. Is he in your team at the moment? He is in my team at the moment. The other, like you say, Embiid's in doubt, but could come back in whether it's round one, two, three. Yeah. 
Adam Dewey's also out round one suspended. Yeah. So those two guys are sort of your one and six utility type players and, and Mbai's obviously a, a senior player. He's um he's been captain before. Um so whether Michael Maguire, you know, pulls the, the ruthless rein and, and flicks Mbai for, for Dane Laurie at the start of the season. I, I really think I, I really like Moses Mbai. I know it's a bit of a meme to, to bag on him, but um I, I think he's a good player. I think his best position's probably six. I don't think he's an elite um yeah. An elite one, whereas I think Dane Laurie potentially is. And I think for the Tigers to do really well this year, I think Laurie needs to be the fullback sooner than later. If not round one, then, then pretty soon. I, I suspect Madge will come around to that way of thinking at yeah. some point. I'd be more hesitant on Laurie if it was a different club, like if it was a, mm. you know, the Roosters that are pushing to get, you know, Suwali into their squad, but he probably won't be picked at any time soon because mm. they've got a lot of good starters. But the Tigers have, you know, they need to improve things to make it yeah. to turn to a finals team. Maguire, as you say, he's happy to, to drop plays with big reputations. Did yeah. it last year, dropped Benji, dropped Luke Brooks for a few weeks. So, um, uh, yeah, there's every chance, you know, if he thinks it's going to help the team, he'll mm. move Mbai back to 14, say, and use him as a bench utility and, and start Laurie. But we don't know at this point if that's going to happen. So, yeah, you'd think at some point Laurie gets an extended run this season and makes a lot of money in fantasy. But if it's not, in the first six weeks, then you're better off probably waiting till later. Mm. The thing, the other thing too, I, we had a similar thing. Like Callum Pong is a good example. When he first debuted at the Cowboys mm. at fullback and he came in, he was scoring a lot of points, but Lachlan Coote was out injured. I sort of said, don't burn your trades on this Ponga kid, even yep. though he's really good. Lachlan Coote's the first choice and kind of got bagged for it. And even though what I said was true, Coote ended up being really injured and Ponga yeah. played like eight weeks and made heaps of money and then um, you kind of missed the boat there. So the same thing could happen here. Laurie could actually be behind in the pecking order but plays round one, scores 60 points and then Embo's not back till round three and then someone else gets hurt. He might sure. be the fullback the whole season even though he's not the first choice now. Um, and then if you don't start and then you're just sort of losing 50 grand every week that he's making money that you don't have him. So. Tough one. One will uh, delay the headaches till next week when we yeah. the team <laughs> Teams will uh, hopefully shed a little bit of light. Mm. Uh, next most owned, uh, I believe we talked about him last week, is Matt Moylan, 310k. Poor injury history, but reportedly training that house all yes. the way down in the off-season. Yeah, we did talk about him last week. Um, yeah, so we'll cover it very briefly. Break-even is 23. Uh, he's playing at 5'8", uh, where he averages 33 across, this, across his career, uh, which is a jump of 10 points, which is what you want uh, for a cash cow. He's probably going to move to fullback when uh, Sean Johnson returns from injury, and he scores even better at fullback traditionally. Who knows if this would change after you know the injury mm. run he's had. But, yeah, if he scores in the mid-30s, then he's, he's good value. Um, yeah, his injury record is the big question mark, yeah. I think, if he gets injured after... A few weeks, you're going to be kicking yourself if he's in your team. Basically, just has to stay fit to make money, but that's a big if, like we said last week. Yep. Um, next most owned is David Fusatua, who we've already talked about today. Dual position, no real upside. I wouldn't no. uh, bother. Um, coming in after that at 14% ownership is AJ Brimson from the Titans. Was absolutely electric once he got into that um, team back from injury um, midway through last year. 667k potentially could get even better this year with a full off season or well, not full off season. Yeah, he's maybe. Been, he's been I mean, he was, again, but he was really good last year. Yeah. Like as soon as he came back from injury, uh, he was getting line breaks. You know, at least one line break every week, mm. um, scoring tries, setting up tries. So. Yeah, so he's not cheap. He's more expensive than Ryan Pappenhausen, for instance. Um, so, yeah, priced at about 50. He might score 50, 55 points a game. I guess he's a keeper. He's not quite on that level of Tedesco or Ponga, 
probably not on the level of Pappenhausen with goals. So I think he's not quite in that elite three players, but he might be the fourth best winger fullback and, mm. and certainly cheaper than Tedesco. Yeah, not a bad option, but maybe not the best option. Yep. Um, next most owned, slightly cheaper and with a slightly lower average, Roger Tuovasa-Shek in his final season as a rugby league player before departing us for the 15-man code. 626k, 13.3% of teams. Um, do we see any upside here? I don't know. I mean, if you think the Warriors are going to improve uh, generally, you know, a lot of people are saying they're... Their big forward pack is going to make them a better team this year, in which case their attacking players like Tuivasa-Shek could have some more upside. Others are saying he's going to you know, put in an extra big effort in his last season at the Warriors before switching to rugby. I mean, he put in a pretty big effort last year as well. So, year, yeah. so I don't know if um, those factors necessarily make him that much better of a fantasy player. He's always pretty good in fantasy. Um, I think he'll be roughly this year, you know, as good as he was last year. Mm. Rounding at the top 10 from the Raiders, it's Bailey Simonson. Um, Injury-affected season last year. Obviously, Nick Kotrick has gone to the Bulldogs, so that spot uh, looks pretty safe for him in first grade so long as he stays fit. Only 246k uh, in 12.3% of teams. I can see an argument for him. Yeah, so he's very cheap. He's going to be a starting winger, um, break even in the high teens. He's scored a bit under 30 points a game when he's played the full 80 on the wing. So, yeah, some upside. He won't be a massive scorer. So really just one of those cheap guys to put in number 20 or 21 in your squad if you need cover for winger fullback. Yeah, I don't mind it from that. Like, without having to rely on him as a top 17 player every week, someone who can cover you, your fullback and is not going to cost you much, I don't mind that. And if he scores 30 points a game, that he'll make 150 grand. So. Yeah. Yep, I like it. Uh, that rounds out the top 10. Any of the guys just below that you want to mention? Tex Hoy is in number 11 for the Knights. Um, I think we mentioned him in the halves episode, mm. but uh, he'll be filling in for Kalen Ponga at the start of the season. We just don't know how long Ponga is going to be out for at the moment. Some reports have been six weeks. Some have been three weeks. So, uh, yeah, if it's if it's six, then Hoy's probably a good buy, and if it's three, then he's not. So mm. hopefully there's more reports about that between now and the start of the season. Uh, who else? Val Holmes had a good stint at fullback uh, for the Cowboys uh, on the weekend. He started on the wing, then switched to fullback. Uh, if he's playing it on the wing, he's a no-go. If he's at fullback, he's maybe. He's about the same price as um, yeah. Tom Trevojevic. Has been really good for one season at the Sharks before he went to the NFL. Yeah. Already 500k. I don't see enough upside in Bell Holmes for, for me to want to risk him. Um, Charlie Staines, people like it. Uh, almost 10% of teams at 445k. It's very expensive for yeah. a rookie kid who's going to be on the wing. and Too pricey for me. I think he's one of those guys who had uh, a big impact in his in his you know cameo appearances last year. People got excited, but he played quite well, so he's not cheap. So, mm. yeah, not one to get for me. Um, who else? Jermaine Nazarko is under 400k. Starting fullback for the Broncos this year. Was kind of moved around a bit last year. Kicks goals. Um, so priced at 30. Average 38 when he was playing fullback last year. Could improve if the Broncos improve as well in terms of attacking stats and goals. So some upside there as well. Kind of a mid-range cash cow option. Mm. I feel like Jason Saab's in 8.5% of teams just because of the chatter that he might be one of the candidates yep. to replace Tom Much hyped. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's going to play. Yeah. Um, Greg Mars, who's in 10% of teams, I think that's mm. another just picking a cheap player one. He's actually, it looks like a real prospect, but I don't see him certainly not starting the season. And I think probably someone like Tremaine Surprise is going to come in yep. um, before he comes in as well. 
Anyone else of interest? I don't think so, unless some rookie wingers get named on Tuesday, in which case a lot of teams will snap them up, I it's one, Yeah, it's one of those positions where you want one or two of your Tedesco, Pappenhausen-style fullbacks to really rack up the points, and then otherwise you kind of want cheap players um, who might make a bit of money and um, yeah, not, not break the bank. Any yep. love for... Um, Morgan Harper, while we're on Manly backs replacing Tim I don't think he's cheap enough. I, I mm. was hopeful at first when um, when he got picked that he was going to be, you know, sub 300k. What is he? Three four oh five. Four oh five. Yeah, too much. I, I mean, he's probably going to get a lot of game time. Mm. Um, you know, certainly at the start of the season could come back in later on. Could play in the centres as well. Will be dual position as well. Um, yeah, if he's named at fullback next week. Uh, but yeah, not quite cheap enough, I think, for someone who's kind of unproven mm. at NRL level. Corey Allen, four sixteen k starting fullback. No, he's he's popular, uh, but uh, again, not, not really a base stats guy. Yeah, is absolutely, he? and not not cheap enough yet. Yeah. Um, take some questions. Yeah, why not? Got a few in. Put the shout out today on Twitter and got a, a few in. Um, start with Christian Bullock, who says every year the first round team list Tuesday has produced <laughs> a big selection shock. For example, Sevo Griffin Stimson predictions on where this year's shock will come from and who will be the player picked or left out. Yeah, look, this is a tough one. I mean, if you if you if want you to know, see, then it's not going to be a shock. Yeah, right? absolutely. You can see, you know, our collective um, predicted teams on NRL.com right now. They've been mm-hmm. updated a bit since the trials. Uh, four or five teams got got changed based on uh, injuries and and whatnot from the trials. So, yeah, have you got any left field predictions? I don't really. I think there's certain teams and coaches that are much more reliable to predict than others. Like, for example, I think Brad Arthur's fairly risk-averse. We're not going to yep. see any, like, crazy... Eight, you're not going to see, you know, Will Penasini in the centres round one or Jake Arthur or something. Like, it's going to be pretty yep. um, per program. Broncos have always been a bit of an open book with their training sessions, so you've usually got a pretty good idea what they're going to yep. look like um, before the team comes out. Whereas, you know, I think Tigers could be almost anything really like I'm not injuries will dictate part of it but you pick eight forwards into four spots and it could be absolutely any combination thereof and I wouldn't want to guess I, th- I think the surprise for a lot of fantasy coaches ends up being really cheap guys that they had in their team because they thought they were going to get picked don't get picked <laughs> in round one I think uh, especially this year you've mentioned it uh, in the past about there being no reserve grade last year, which means mm. a lot of young guys didn't get, um, you know, missed out on a year of uh, footy where they would have mm. improved. So I think teams might be a bit more conservative, at least in round one, and stick with the the tried and yeah. tested players a lot. I mean, there's always some rookies who pop up pretty quick, but yeah, they might be more conservative this year. I mean, an example of that, I was out at Roosters uh, Media Day, I think yesterday, talking to young Sam Walker, who pointed out, I mean, there's been stories on this, it's not a secret, but he has not played a game of football until that trial in a year and a half because yeah. of the COVID shutdown. So for a kid that I don't know, doesn't look big at all, like I'm not sure what he weighs, probably about 80 kilos, to throw him straight into round one NRL trying to tackle, you know, at some point this year he's going to have to tackle Viliami Kikau and Wade Graham on, a, yeah. on an edge. Like you want him to get some some cup games against the, the big boys into him before you throw him into an NRL game, which is... I mean, I think Lachlan Lamb probably deserves a spot anyway, but if it was in doubt, then you, that's going to yep. decide it anyway. Um, moving on to uh, another question. Uh, Brendan Thomas, thoughts on Nick Kotrick as a point difference in the wing fullback position coming in similar price to Latrell with way less ownership? Yeah, n- <laughs> not really for me. Um, 
He's going to play in the centres, I mm. believe, at the Dogs. I think he scores better in fantasy on the wing, which is kind of unusual, but he's a real tackle breaker. So if he's yeah. got uh, room to move and you know kick returns where he can beat one or two defenders, uh, he scores better than in the centres where he kind of is like any other centre. He gets mm. 35 points, maybe 40 points um, you know, on, on good days. So, yeah, I don't really see the upside. You know, Not every player that switches clubs is going to be a better fantasy scorer because of it. Yeah, and I mean, obviously there's question marks over just how many attacking chances the Bulldogs are yep. going to have this year. You'd think more than last year, but I don't know if it's going to be a lot more uh, than last year. Um, Dom Sullivan asks, who would you prioritise out of Damien Cook or James Tedesco? Uh, it's Tedesco for me pretty clearly. Yeah. Um, Tedesco's by far and away the best wing fullback in uh, in fantasy, Kalen Pong is close, but he's missing the start of the season anyway, whereas uh, Cook is probably going to be the best hooker uh, scoring in the 60s. There's uh, Abby Corusau, who's pretty close. You know, McCulloch's pretty close. There's a few other options. So, mm. And there's a lot of um, value hookers, and you've only got one real hooker spot in your starting team. So, yeah, all that points to... I'd be getting Tedesco first. I can see why people might want to get Cook and lock him in as a captain straight away, but uh, um, short of that, I'd go Tedesco. Mm. I think Cook probably gets a bit more important with the injury to Harry Grant, but um, even so, yeah, I definitely think Tedesco is more of a, a priority. Uh, Michael writes in, really confused about Luke Brooks. He's cheap due to his bench starts last season, but I saw him kick goals in front of Adam Dewey. Priced at 40 average, could be 50-plus if things go right for him this season. Um but then do we smash the Sea Eagles in the trials? What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I'm a bit confused as well. So the part about Dewey having a good game against Manly, uh, I wouldn't read much into that as mm. well, at all. Manly was the one team who didn't really pick a first-grade-looking lineup for the trials on the weekend. Everyone else had pretty close mm. to full-strength teams. Manly rested a bunch of players, so especially in that second half, um, a lot of kind of reserve graders playing. So uh, the Tigers ran away with it, but... Yeah, Brooks, um, he only really needs to match what he did two years ago. So in 2019, he scored 52, 53 points a game. Um, and then last year, everything went down. His kick metres went from 300 metres a game to 200 metres. His try assist dropped from 16 in 2019, which is very good, to three all year last year, wow. which is horrendous for a halfback. I think he may have had three try assists on Sunday against Manly. So he's looking a bit better already. He's clearly the dominant half with Benji Marshall gone. Um, uh, yeah, he's also said they won't be switching sides this year with... Sorry, they won't be having... You know, he won't be on one side and doing the other. He's going to be a old-fashioned halfback um, uh, on both sides of the field. So he should get a lot of chances to get attacking stats. He also kicked goals on Sunday, which I don't know if that's going to be yeah. a thing full-time. Embi didn't play, obviously, and he can kick as well. Uh, Dewey kicked some goals at the end of the game, but Brooks, I think, was the first choice out of those two. So possible upset, upside there as well. Mm. Yeah, all that saying, he still needs to score 50 points a game to be worth it as a you know, cash cow slash keeper. And if he scores 45, then he's neither and he's not that cheap either. So, mm -hmm. yeah, a bit risky, but definite upside. Yep. Some uh, thorough points there. Mm. Uh, Chris Maticic asks, is this the Amani Tapao gets more than 40 <laughs> minutes? Well, he played 45 minutes last year, but uh, I would say no. I've had Tapao in the past and he can play big minutes. We say this every year and he just doesn't. Mm. So his minutes are actually... Decline, I think, every year since 2016 when he played 60-something minutes a game and mm. then down to the 50s and then 40s and then 45 last year. So I don't know. And with the game getting faster this year exactly. as well. So the new real changes, even more six-agains and handovers instead of scrums means that the ball's in play a lot more this year. So um, 
I think teams are going to rotate those middle forwards, you know, if anything, more than last year. So yeah. his minutes might go down again. Double bonger question from Butsy Triple Eight. First question: How does your strategy change if only playing head to head rather than overall? Uh, yeah, it's, it's mostly about how you use your trades, I think. So for head-to-head, obviously, you just want to make your finals and then have an awesome team for the last four weeks of the season. Um, ideally, you know, the best player in every position in your team. So it's all about cash and it's also about saving trades for those last few weeks. So for head, sorry, for overall points, you want to use a lot of trades in the buy rounds and origin to get decent scores in those really tough weeks. For head-to-head, do the opposite. Save your trades in the middle of the year. Mm. Keep a few up your sleeve for the last few weeks if you can. Uh, that's about it. Have you got any other head-to-head tips? Not really. I, probably the other one is an overall player might be a bit more tolerant to really up-and-down players. So if you're mm. going to average 50 scoring 30 one week and 70 yeah. the next week, that's fine. But 50 if you're going to score 30 every second week in a head-to-head player where it's going to hurt your you know, your win yeah. rate, it might be a, you'd rather get someone who's just a, like a Jake Travojevic who's just going to score 51 to 53 points a game regardless. Yep. Um, King Styles 22 asks thoughts on Cook and DCE or Cleary and Macca, which I'm going to guess is McCulloch. Yeah. Um, you know, both good options. Mm. Um, McCulloch's got the most upside on any of those, out of any of those players. Mm. Uh Priced at 50, um, scored, what have we said, 60, maybe more than 60 last year when playing the full 80 at hooker. So, um, yeah, it doesn't get a lot of attacking stats, but makes a lot, a lot of tackles and might be doing a lot of defending for the Dragons. Uh, this year, based on the how the Charity Shield played out, uh, as we said last week, uh, Cleary might come down to earth a little bit based, mm. you know, compared to last year. But, I think um, so. So, yeah, some upside with McCulloch, some maybe downside with Cleary, whereas Cook and who was the other one? Um, it was uh, Cook and DCE or yeah. Cleary and McCulloch? Cook and DCE would be probably as good this year as they were last year. So, yeah. can't really go wrong, but yeah. maybe a slightly riskier, more upside move is Cleary and McCulloch. Kieran Jones asks uh, He's after a set and forget captain, uh, Damien Cook or Angus Crichton? Uh, both are good. I like Crichton at the moment. I, yeah, I was, same. We talked him up last week and then he was the best scorer in the trials. Um, in the score in the mid-80s. Nine tackle breaks, a lot of offloads. was mm. was just awesome. So, I don't know. He's he's good to have in your team at least, covering both forward mm. positions. And, um, yeah, so I'd probably go Crichton. Both are good options. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's dual position, um, even though – he won't be in the middle this year because obviously Corner's out half the year and Alderson's yep. retired. He's going to be playing, you'd think, 80 minutes probably on that left edge. Um, so probably alongside Kiri yep. um, in that, that corner position. Um, like you said, big score on the weekend. There's a lot to, uh, you know, even those games where he played smaller minutes last year, even though he averaged pretty well, if he's going back up to 80, um, yeah, it could be a little bit of upside on what's an already um, pretty, pretty big price tag. Uh, last couple of questions were about dual positions. So Mike J, Mike DJ Kiwi and uh, Sports uh, with a Z, both questions about dual position players. Basically, uh, who's going to get it? Uh, specific questions around Colin Matungi, Morgan Harper, um, Mitch Barnett. Yeah, so all those guys, um, probably. It, it basically, anyone who's named uh, on Tuesday in a new position that they're not available in fantasy will probably get dual position uh, on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning should be available before the round starts in the new position. So that's, yeah, Colin Matungi at South on an edge, um, Tessie New in the centres at Brisbane, Lachlan Croker if he plays hooker at Manly, uh, if he's fit, um, Mitch Barnett on the edge, who else? Uh, Kotrick, 
guy mentioned earlier in the centres. So, yeah, basically if a player's named in a new position, they'll, they'll get dual position mm. um, probably before round one. Probably. I mean, there are exceptions. And, for example, someone like Colin Matungi, if he's named on the bench, he probably won't get dual yeah. position. Um, and I can't think of any good examples this year, but someone who's named out of position in round one for someone who's going to be back in round two also may not get it on a, yep. on a judgment call. But yeah, for the most part, players who are named in a different position, obviously guys who are already dual position won't get that position changed or a third position. Yep. Um, thanks for all the questions. Uh, thank you for the uh, third and final uh, position by position breakdown. We'll obviously be back next week with the biggest podcast of the year. The first uh, teamless Tuesday of 2021 will be heaps to get through. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us. We'll speak to you then.